Welcome to the Stewards' Inquiry on the Winners' Enclosure. Martin Dixon joins me now. And Martin, time to reflect back on what's been an unbelievable weekend. Uh, it's been fabulous racing, hasn't it? Right through the week at, at Aintree and, of course, the the story with Rachel Blackmore was tremendous and, and Henry de Bromhead won two in the national as well as the Gold Cup for him. And just a fantastic three days of racing, I thought, at Aintree, really. It was really well received. Um, you know, the atmosphere for what it could be, you know, without crowds was as good as, as you could hope for. The track was in wonderful condition and we saw some fantastic finishes as well as one or two really serious performances, I thought, over the course of the three days. Well, let's start by talking about Rachel Blackmore becoming the first lady jockey to win the Grand National. She just keeps delivering, doesn't she? And it just keeps getting better and better. And it was one of those results that was just a real good feel good factor for, I think, everybody after the race. It was, yeah. I mean, it was sort of if you were a journalist writing a story, it was the one story that probably rose above all of the others that you could have hoped for, really. And it just caps off what has been a, a fabulous few weeks for, for Rachel Blackmore and Henry de Bromhead. But she's obviously just right at the top of, a, of, of her profession, isn't she? Male or female, she is as good as there is any as, as anybody that is riding at the moment. She's got such confidence. She seems to make just the right moves at the right time, have her horses in the right positions and essentially doesn't make many mistakes, which is what race riding seems to be all about at the very top level. You know, if you've got the horse underneath you, which Rachel has done on many occasions, she's getting the opportunities to ride some top class horses with very good chances in these big races, but she just isn't making mistakes on those horses and she's giving them every opportunity to go and win the big races that she's been winning over the last few weeks. So, um, you know, it's been a fantastic 12 months or so in Britain and Ireland for female jockeys generally, because we've had the emergence of Holly Doyle at, at the very top level as well over the last 12 months on the flat. She uh, obviously rode her first Group 1 winner at the back end of last season. And I think it's just showing that horse racing is a sport where male and males and female jockeys can compete on a on a level playing field, essentially. And compared to sort of 15, 20 years ago, there are just more and more opportunities for female female riders um, just day in, day in, day out. And they're getting the opportunity to really progress to the top level, as Holly and Rachel have, have shown. Mm. And do you think that this can inspire a new generation of, of women coming into the sport and, and there will be more girls that think, you know, wow, actually, this is a career I can compete at on a level playing field? It has to, doesn't it? Because, you know, when you've got role models there that are setting the standard, it gives it gives you hope that you can you could be the next one. And you look at sport worldwide and so, so many sports ultimately are male dominant, aren't they? Whether you look at football, American football, baseball, cricket, boxing, whatever you that want is, to look at. Yeah, you know, exactly. yeah, athletics, whatever it is. Yeah, even in some of those sports like tennis, for instance, where we do see the males and females, the prize money is still that bit higher for the males and things like that. And, you know, it's not necessarily quite the level playing field, is it? That You know, the males are often looked at as the elite in, in worldwide wide sport. But in horse racing, it's just steadily changing. And we're seeing that with, you know, Rachel Blackmore winning the world's most famous race can only be a positive thing, I think, for horse racing. Um, and we're seeing it worldwide. We've obviously had the likes of, of uh, Julie Crone and Michelle Payne in America and Australia. But in the UK and Ireland, now we're catching up with, as I say, Holly Doyle and Rachel setting the bar. It's funny, it's almost as if we're catching up because equestrian as a whole, 
women and 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 men do sort of compete at, at a completely level playing field which is one of the only sports that allows for that you know if you look at eventing show jumping dressage it's you know it's across the board there isn't an advantage no no absolutely and and it's more about i think in racing it's more about opportunity and mm. female jockeys going back over the last 50 years probably haven't had enough opportunities to progress in the way that they are doing in the modern era and that can only be a positive thing i think for, for horse racing generally okay let's touch on henry de bromhead because it had looked slightly with irish racing that it was going to be Gordon Elliott and it was Willie Mullins and the two of them were sort of completely taking over and then all of a sudden <laughs> Henry's just had the most I mean he's always been an extremely talented trainer but it comes down to horses owners again opportunities everything else um so won the, the Gold Cup the champion chase the champion hurdle have a one two in the Grand National I mean he just said he's he's run out of superlatives to describe his feelings and emotions anymore yeah I mean that's it as you said Elliot and Mullins has become a, just a constant, hasn't it, where you've, you've looked at it and just thought that it's the two dominant forces. But just behind them for the last five or six years has been Henry de Bromhead. And he's been, when he's had a good one, um, he's always got the very best out of it. He's been winning some big races just periodically and you know, over the course of the last 10 years, really. Um, and it's just gone to another level for him, hasn't it, this season? The, the, not only obviously he's got training more and more horses he's got increased ammunition if you like and they are all performing at the very top level he's just got them in such good order over the last well over the over the course of the whole season really um but just to think champion hurdle champion chase gold cup one two grand national one two you couldn't you couldn't make it up okay even henry himself for all that he would believe in his horses and the the form that they're in you know, you've got to have a little bit of luck to go along with it as well. And to, to get all of those wins and the one-two in the two biggest races of the whole season in the UK is just amazing. Mm. And it looks unlikely to stop now because the show moves on, of course, to Punchestown, where he'll have Honeysuckle, Manello Indo, Envoy Alain, uh, mm. put the kettle on, you know, just a few more that he's got to throw into the mix. Yeah, there'll be more stories to come, won't there, for sure. I mean, Henry's best seasonal total in Ireland came in 2018-19 when he traded 98 winners in Ireland alone. He's on 91, I think, this season, as well as his eight big race wins that he's had in the UK to go alongside that. So his season is already the best that he's ever had by a distance when you consider the calibre of horses that he's been achieving it with. But this year, it does look very likely that he'll surpass that 100-winner mark in Ireland alone as well, which will do another little, um, little milestone for him. And just reflecting back on the week, was there one sort of standout performance that, that you'd like to briefly talk about? Yeah, I, th I think there's a few that come to mind. Clandesabur was very good, wasn't he? I thought Fakir Uderi deserved his grade one that he got in pretty emphatic style as well. Um, but Mon Morel, I'd say, the juvenile hurdler that won on Thursday, I was really impressed with him. He's still unbeaten in his career so far. Um, he looks a, a chaser in appearance, really. But Paul Nichols saying that they might keep him to hurdling for next season, just because of his age more than anything. He's four, he'll be four going on five 
into next season. So there's not any great rush with him. But he beat Adagio, the triumph hurdle runner-up, by further than the distance that Quilixios beat the same horse um, at the Cheltenham Festival a few weeks ago. It was a, ultimately a dominant performance. And I thought a strong staying performance from Mon Morel over two miles as well. He'll stay a little bit further in time still unbeaten and a very exciting prospect for the future. What about you, Emma? Did you have a standout over the three days? Well, I know I, you sort of agree with me here, but I was very impressed with my Drogo. Um, mm. You know, the fact they bypassed, they made every decision correctly, didn't they? They bypassed the festival. He's a very, very strong tra um, travelling horse. And he had the he had the race one a long way out, didn't he? He just looks... An, awesome horse to go to, to war with now and finally we might have something representing the British that can take <laughs> on all these Irish stars do you think he can mix it with the best of those yeah I mean I think in Mon Morel and My Drogo we have the best two British novice hurdlers and that you know Cheltenham was disappointing but those two were saved back and they emerged with I thought some high class novice performances as you say my Drogo just he seems to be improving at such a rate of knots as well doesn't he like he's, he's still unbeaten in his hurdling career so far but up to uh, Saturday it actually looked a little bit green still in a couple of his races but on Saturday he went through the race hard held all the way through and just completely dominated from, from some good opponents as well um, and he won head in chest essentially uh, he's got a lot of pace but just a lot of quality I think for a horse that's bred to stay pretty well he's a really exciting prospect for Dan Skelton and I suspect we're going to see him over fences next season Yeah, trained by Dan and of course ridden by Harry and every winner counts at the moment for Harry yeah. because obviously the, uh, the Jockeys Championship is going to go right to the wire they are 137 Brian Hughes today and 136 Harry Skelton having clawed a winner back yesterday. Um, he missed day two of Aintree, didn't he? And skipped away and landed a treble at Sedgefield. Um, where's this going? They're hard to split, aren't they? And Harry seems to be loving the role as the sort of challenger throughout to Brian. Yeah, he does. I mean... They're just trading blows, aren't they, at the moment? I think yeah. Hughes came with a big uppercut on, on Friday when he landed that treble at Sedgefield. But Skelton, I think he's going to just jab, jab, jab away over the next three weeks or so. And that has been the case, essentially, since early March. Um, you look, since the 1st of March, Harry Skelton's had 38 winners to Brian Hughes's 28 winners. So he's closed that gap. And at points, he has taken over the lead over that last five-week period. And I think the momentum is still with Skelton. For all that it changed on Friday, I think if you just look at the last couple of months since Harry Skelton has sort of had it in his mind that this is achievable, the momentum has been with him. And you look at the books of rides, we're recording this before racing starts on Monday, and you look at the book of rides over the next two days, Brian Hughes without a ride on Monday. Um, he's riding, he's got some nice rides on Tuesday at, at Southall, but nothing that sort of look, you look at and think that will win. Whereas Harry Skelton's got a whole host, I think 13 rides over Monday and Tuesday's cards. And a whole host of short-priced favourites, you know, one or two of them might get turned over. But it's likely that the Skelton um, will be in front after racing on Tuesday, looking at the books of rides that they've got. And I can just see that carrying on, really. I think he's got such support, Harry Skelton, obviously from within his own yard. But he's getting more and more opportunities of outside rides as well. And although Brian Hughes is, um, you know, he, he, he certainly won't be giving in easily, I do feel that ultimately Harry Skelton has, has kind of um, got the opportunity and the ammunition to, to take it this year.
Well, from future champion jockeys over jumps to uh, champion trainers, Aidan O'Brien, it's not a surprise, has made a very good start to the flat season 2021 in Ireland. And the Bally Sacks has been quite a key derby trial over the years. He won it yesterday with Bolshoi Ballet. Quickly, Martin, what did you make of this? Because he's leaped to second favourite for the derby now. And obviously, there's a lot of things that are going to change between now and the beginning of June. But it was, it, it, it was he got the job done. Um, slightly muddling pace and he looks at quite an exciting horse yeah I, I don't think there's anything much more to say really I wouldn't get overly excited um, he was a 2 to one shot he had a good chance in the race um, he won it he showed us that he tra- he's trained on it was probably a, a small step forward from his two year well it was a step forward from his two year old form um, and he promises to be suited by a mile and a half going down the line but you mentioned the pace was muddling the time was nothing flash I don't think it was an, a performance to get too excited about at, at this yeah. stage, but it earned him a crack at some of the better trial races, if you like. York may well be on the agenda for the Dante next month, and Bolshoir Ballet would be a horse that would go to the Dante with a good chance, and then he would need to take in that step if he was going to sort of justify that position right up towards the head of the Derby betting. He's, he's all potential at this moment in time. I think he's got a long way to go before he's winning derbies, but he does have the potential to progress to that level. It's such an exciting time, isn't it? We've now, well, obviously there's still Punchestown in Ireland, but now it's trials. We're upping the ante on the flat. We've got the Craven meeting this weekend. We've got Newbury at the weekend, you know, Newbury at the weekend. Um, and yeah, we're, we're talking about a derby trial that's just happened in Ireland. Two horses to follow that you've either seen from last year or something's caught your eye this year that um, that you can tell us about. What are they? Well, this is a, what the first one is a horse that's actually still in the derby. And whether he's going to be quick enough or good enough for that, I'm not sure. But I could see him taking in a derby trial. That's a horse called Trawler Man that won at Pontefract last Tuesday. I was on track that day. Quite an impressive looking horse. He's still a little bit... He's sort of all, almost just so chilled out when you see him in the paddock, and yet he produced a performance of real quality on the track. He, it was only a small field novice contest that he won, but he beat an 80-rated rival called King Frankel by eight and a half lengths, and he put up easily the best time performance on the card as well. He already looks a sort of 100-plus horse in the making, I would say, trawler man. He was having his first start on the grass, first start over on Palatine, and it all suited him really, really well. He might just end up being more of a Queen's Vars and maybe St. Ledger horse. I think he'll, he's going to be a horse that stays extremely well. Um, but Trawler Man certainly a horse to note, who I think will be making um, making some headlines in, in better company than he was winning in last week. And the second one is at a much lower level, but a horse that I think is up for winning races, a little filly called Blissful Song, who ran second in a six furlong race at Catrick last week. Um, she's very fast. I think she's well handicapped. She just ended up going a little bit too hard too soon at Patrick last week um, but blissful song a filly that will be winning handicaps I think in the next few weeks okay I've gone for a couple of sort of different types of horses one is maybe a potential Oaks filly called Willow with Aidan O'Brien's um, she's a filly out of peeping fawn who herself was obviously exceptionally good she won a maiden on her third start at Leopardstown and the, and the, the word and the vibe is that um she's going to be a force to, to be reckoned with this year and the other one is a horse of Roger Berrien's called Valerian Steel who again had three starts last year won his first couple of starts and then finished fourth at York 
on his third start. Again, there's been plenty of chat in new markets uh, about how good and how much potential this horse might have. So he's another one that um, that I'd throw into the mix there. Mm. We'll move on to the Scottish National. <laughs> Back, Back to, to jump. Very soon, the focus will, be, will, will just be one. Um, <laughs> but Scottish National now moved to, to Sunday. Um, where where do we start here? Galvin's likely to be the favourite. Um, yeah. What do you like? Well, I'm going to put up an, a, a, a positive mention for Vincent Clouds, who um, won the Ultima at the Cheltenham Festival. He had first time cheap pieces on that day. I do, I've always thought that he wanted some headgear on him, and they put it on finally at Cheltenham. And he caused a little bit of an upset at a big price, but he was a dominant winner of, of the Ultima. And he beat in Saturday's entry winner, Happy Go Lucky, there. So the form yes. has had a boost. Um, strong stayer. Um, I think the headgear, obviously, he's an older horse, he's a veteran, but with the headgear on, he's, he's unexposed, if you like. And he put up one of his better, one of his best ever performances with that on at the Cheltenham Festival. And I think he might just uh, have a little bit more in the locker and be able to certainly be competitive anyway in the Scottish National on Sunday. Yeah, well, I've actually gone for a sort of similar form form line because I've gone for I Wright who was obviously third behind him in the ultimate very consistent horse and I thought in what looked a pretty open race um he he was sure to run well and be there or thereabouts so quick word on the Craven this week is it's always a, quite an exciting meeting you've got the breeze apps and things sort of start to step up that don't they now you've got the guineas in just a few weeks time yeah, that's it. We're going to be getting all sorts of clues, aren't we? I'm actually heading down to Newmarket on Wednesday, for Wednesday and Thursday, so looking forward to that. And, you know, very much now, although we've got the Scottish National and Sandown in a few weeks, for me personally, that the jump sort of starts to take a, a back seat now and really focusing on some, some high-quality flat racing that's going to be coming up thick and fast over the next few weeks. Lovely. Thank you very much indeed. Enjoy your week at Newmarket. And, uh, yeah, we'll look forward to speaking to you again next week. Thanks very much, Emma.